everybody and welcome back to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. My name's Imi, which is short for Imogen, and I am your host. This week, I get to sit down and chat with Al Meni, a big wave surfer from Ireland. And we're going to talk about his latest book, Overcome or Succumb, a tale about facing fear, anxiety and panic in a goal to conquer life. Before I start, I would like to make a disclaimer. In this episode, my guest shares some of his experience in big wave surfing and by all means, do not try to do what Al does without proper training, research and team. Um, As Al would put it, before practicing skills, be sure your equipment is well maintained and do not take risks beyond your level of experience, aptitude, training and comfort level. Anyway, back to my guest, Al Meni. Al is a true big wave surfer. He's been at it for years. He's one of the rare surfers who ha- who was out on the lineup the same day Garrett McManara set his 100-foot world record in Nazare. In fact, his name is in the Nazare Hall of Fame. But beyond these physical and mental achievements that have placed Al in the selective club of big wave riders, Al is a true multi-potentialite. He's written countless books and is about to publish He's writ- he has written five books and is about to publish his sixth. He's a model, an actor in a number of st- TV series. He's a stuntman, a motivational speaker, a martial arts teacher and runs a property development business. In our conversation, we get to know Al a bit better. We talk about his latest book, Overcome or Succumb, which is a gripping tale of how he prepares for big wave surfing and how he manages to face fear in the most terrifying situations. Al also explains the positive effects of dealing with fear and how it opens our life up to countless opportunities. I also pick Al's brain about what it's like to surf Nazare and his answer seriously gave me the shivers. We also talk, take a while talking about Al's different skills that he's been flexing over the years and that enable him today to continue to live the dream of surfing massive waves and having a balanced lifestyle. There's a lot of wisdom to be taken from this episode and I really hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, please welcome Al Meni. Hi Al and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. How are you today? I'm good Imogen, thanks very much for having me on. (laughs) You're welcome. Before we start, maybe you could introduce yourself to the listeners. Okay, uh, my name is Al Meni. Uh, it's spelled A L M E N N I E, and I live on the very north coast of Ireland, on the Causeway Coast. Wow! And today I'm sitting surrounded by snow. Oh, we not. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and great waves. So yeah, that's where I live. That's um, fantastic. Beautiful actually, part of the world. Actually, I was a bit worried that um, you might not be able to make it because they announced this massive storm coming towards Portugal. I was thinking, oh, maybe you're going to yeah. have to, you know, going to hop off to on a plane onto Nazaré or something like that. But um, I know at the minute, at the minute, I prefer the snowstorms to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! Before we sort of start talking about your book, Overcome or Succumb, I wondered what kind of environment you grew up in. I mean, are you from a family of surfers? Not, not, not so to speak. No. So, I was born in Belfast. Okay, Belfast is in the, is the capital of Northern Ireland. For anyone who doesn't really know about Northern Ireland, it's the capital of Northern Ireland. 
uh, and I lived in the country. And my dad, my dad, my dad has my dad when he was young worked on trawlers. Um, then he became a photographer. Then he became a builder and a property developer. That's basically his background. My mum is a Belfast girl. Um, dad was Scottish, by the way. Mum's um, a Belfast girl. Um, so no, I didn't have that background. Although my dad did have sea in the blood, obviously. Um, he fished. He's fished all. He fished all his life. Um, so it's always been. Like, I was water skiing since I was six. You know, I've always been involved in the sea to some capacity. So it's just been a natural progression for me to come from, you know, water skiing, swimming in the sea, very young, to now surfing like these giant waves all over mm-hmm. the world. So no, my family here aren't surfers, but they've got a sea background. You got a sea background. That's fantastic. And um, and so your 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 sea is the North Atlantic. That's your home kind of spot. Yeah, I live on what's referred to as the North Channel, which mm-hmm. is basically where the Irish Sea and and the North Atlantic clash together. And we've got really turbulent waters between the North Coast here and the Scottish islands of um, the Hebrides, like Islay and Jura, are just about. 25 wow. miles north of us so that's where i am that's amazing that's amazing and um the, the, obviously the uh the um, the causeway is the, the be- one of the most beautiful sceneries in the world so um, it's an amazing place to live um, yeah literally the causeway is two minutes from my house really yeah it's <laughs> so really exactly. close it's amazing we, li- we live we live amongst castles and like hexagonal <laughs> stones fairy <laughs> yes. tale um, stuff fantastic so um moving on towards to your book um overcome or succumb um maybe what we could sort of go to what inspired you in the first place to become a big wave surfer because um in your book you said that you were you dreamt of surfing mavericks from the age of 13 um who inspired you or what inspired you to to to, to dare to do these dangerous things uh, i don't know if i ever made a, an actual decision i think <laughs> it just gradually surfed bigger and bigger waves and i just felt like it was natural to go to do that and when I was 13 um I was sitting on the end of my bed watching one of these videos at the time like lots of people don't probably remember this but we used to have like there were videotapes they weren't like cds or dvds (laughs) and I'd rented it from somewhere and um on this video was Mavericks in California and I could relate to it much more than say Hawaii or you know any of those warm water places because the guys were in black wetsuits and the big heavy boards and that's what we had when we were young you know so I kind of could relate to it and it was always in my, in my mind that I wanted to do it so it gradually obviously from the age of 13 I gradually sort of bigger and bigger ways and you know I like, sort of did my time before I went there and I went there at 22 wow. um, at 22 was the first time I went and I surfed Mavericks and it was an eye-opener <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it was a turning point in my life to be honest you know really it really did. Um, it made me realise that those ways exist in Ireland and we just haven't really, you know, at that point, we just hadn't really been tapped into. Um, and I, I came back here and I borrowed money, I bought a boat and I got admiralty charts and I marked them all up where I thought there was ways and literally went out looking for them. And some of them I surf all the time, some of them I surf once every five or ten years now. Um, so it, like, literally going to Mavericks was a real turning point for me. Um, and it's sculpted my life from that moment on, <laughs> definitely. So you you've been you've been in in surfing since the age of what of nine nine yeah nine. And you've sort of also been part of the the championships and and done competitive surfing. Yeah, I did all that. I did the whole competitive thing. I did the Irish circuit. I did uh, the UK Pro Surf Tour several mm-hmm. years. I did some of the uh, WKS World Qualifying Series. 
Um, I love doing it. I, I'm quite a competitive person whenever I want to be, and I really love doing it. And I think a lot of the time, because I'm 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 an awful lot bigger than most servers. I'm like 17 stone and six foot five. So I'm quite a big guy. <laughs> so I always struggled in small waves, but I found that as actually a bit more of a challenge, and I wanted to do it even more. Uh-huh. Um, and then progressively, I came out of that more and more. And then as as the big wave thing took off, I started getting invitations to the big wave events. And the thing is, a lot of these big wave events are only invita- are invitation only, right. because obviously the danger involved, and you know, it's kind of yeah, people need to know that whoever there's invite, who's whoever's invited, is obviously up to the job. So um, I started doing those, and I left the kind of small wave thing behind. And it's funny now, I'm not really interested in competing at all. I just, I love surfing and I'm not really interested in, you know, putting a rash vest on and competing. So it's funny, it uh, changes. But, but, it's, but it's, it's an amazing story because it was a thrilling read. Um, and it's just the true grit that's required to prevail over these monsters of waves. Do you think you could tell us, in fact, what the whole book, uh, Overcome or Succumb, is about? Yeah, okay, so the reason I wrote Overcome or Succumb the reason I wrote it was because someone said to me one day, my friend who's a paramedic said to me that most of his call outs are to do with mental health and they're to do with fear and anxiety right. in, in, in a massive percentage. And I thought, right. And he said to me, because we're just driving along in the van, we're going surfing actually in Donegal. And he said to me, do you realize you're an expert at this? And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, you're an expert. You deal with these, this fear and anxiety every single day. And it might be that there's a swell coming in four or five days' time, and I'm already thinking about it. What if this happens? What if that happens? And I'm worrying about various things, and I'm anxious and nervous and don't sleep. And and he says, but you handle it, and you still go out there, and you do it, and you catch these gigantic waves. And then I thought, that's what it is. I actually, I do know this very well. So I sat down, and I literally wrote the book in three months. I found it very easy to write. Um, Sat down, nailed it. And um, But what I think is, the thing for me, I've I've learned over the years of being in the media with big wave surfing in Northern Ireland. Surfing's very, it's not very well known, and the big wave thing got a lot of media attention. Like as you as you can see around the world, big wave surfing really gets the media. Yes. And as I realised that, the, the average guy in the street can see these amazing images and amazing video, but he can't really relate to the person doing it. Yes. It's, yeah. It's it's so unhuman that it's it's, it's so just... unhuman. Yeah. You literally can't relate to it. So that what I wanted to do was make it relatable. And mm-hmm. so taking the the knowledge and the skills I'd learned from putting myself in these extremely dangerous situations to, to onlookers mm-hmm. um, and being able to control myself in those in that environment where I'm completely out of control, no matter how, you know, yeah. in the moment I feel I am and whatever, I'm completely vulnerable. That's the bottom line. So I wanted to use that experience and then show other people how... I've overcome other things in ordinary life, i.e. the dentist or, you know, stuff like that, ordinary daily things, which I'm nervous about. Um, and I've used my, my knowledge and my skills to do that. And it's been it's been really successful, to be honest. The, there's been so much feedback from the book. People have bought it and like it's really helped them in life. They've done, they've gone on surf trips on their own. They've gone into like crowded rooms they've never gone into and spoken to people they don't know. And it's incredible. It's been really. It unleashes all sorts of potentials that when you when you are stuck by fear or anxiety, you just can't get past a sort of blockage. So yeah, I must yeah. say that what you say in the book is just really really interesting to to overcome those fears. Um, yeah. 
you have a very special method though for overcoming fear i mean that was some of the things that i i noted was like um you got to take knowledge of the spot and you have the skill and preparation and getting used to being uncomfortable and then and then when all else fails it's like anger and you sort of growl or you sort of scream out yeah. loud and, and so um could you walk us through your method yeah so um fear from my knowledge of fear and my experience of fear fear comes from largely the unknown we're scared uh-huh. of what we don't know because we don't know what it could do to us or what might happen to us if we yeah. go across a certain line um so my approach to that has always been where possible to control as many factors as possible in advance of the situation obviously there's a lot of things come on very quickly and we don't have time to react yeah and that's a different thing i talk about that again in the book in a different way but the, the 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 main approach I have is I put I basically categorize two things categorize everything into two different columns. One is controllable and one is uncontrollable. And you put everything you can into the controllable hmm. column so that you try and control everything that you can in advance of the situation you're going into. Or the say for example you're going to do public speaking or you're going to do I don't know an exam. You try and control as much as you can. So you learn everything you can about the environment, the people who'll be there. Um, the subject, the room you're going into, all mm. those things. You try and control them as, as much as you can early on. And then when it comes down to the uncontrollable factors, which are usually related to people, people <laughs> or the environment, because you can't control people and you can't control the environment. And those two things are uncontrollable. And we just have to learn to deal with those. But yeah. by dealing with the, the controllable factors, that gives us more, more, more space and more energy in, in ourselves to deal with the uncontrollable factors when they come around. Now, obviously, by doing these things over and over again, you get extremely comfortable in doing that. And then I believe that whenever something comes on much more quickly that you don't have time to prepare for in the moment, I, I believe that you've, you've actually trained yourself over time to deal with those things quicker. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of the controllable um, parts, like um, for big wave surfing, what, what would that be? Okay, so for, so for big wave surfing, for example... Uh, give, I'll give you a real life example if I find a spot off the, the coast somewhere mm-hmm. for me I need to find out first of all what are the, what are the most dangerous you know, elements here what's on the bottom yeah. um, where are the currents likely to be where's my entry and where's my exit points where can I have safety if you know if it's possible to bring safety i.e. on the water or on land mm-hmm. um, and I, can, I basically try and establish all that over a period of time before I even go out there and surf Right. Um, so I also have used in the past an oceanographer from the University of Ulster here in Coleraine. Oh, and he's given me 3D, 3D models of the seabed and the movement of the, he can tell me the movement of the flow of the water based on the, the tide and the time of the day of the tide. So from all that, I can establish where's safe, where's not, where's less safe, uh-huh. where I can have somebody on a jet ski or a boat or on land. And I can basically control as much as I can in advance. Obviously, when I go out there, it's completely different. You've got wind. <laughs> You've got people being scared. I'm yeah. scared, you know, and then all those things are uncontrollable because I just can't control those. Yeah. So I try and control as much as I can in advance, then go out there and try and deal with the uncontrollable factors. And that's just that's how that's how I do it. And sometimes I am really scared and I don't want to catch a wave and I'm shaking and I paddle out of the way and I paddle back in and I paddle out and I paddle back in. <laughs> and eventually I just have to man up and go. Yeah. And if I don't, then I just, I, I don't do it. And it's been a complete waste of my time and I lose that opportunity. And that's the thing I try and talk about in the book as well. This is about dealing with fear and dealing with anxieties. Those are the gateway if you want to 
to opportunity in life. If you can deal with your fear and get over those things, it allows you to it allows you to have opportunity in life that you wouldn't have without getting over that fear. Exactly. If you let that if you let that fear stand in your way and you don't try and deal with it and overcome it or get around it or have some way of handling it, then the opportunity that lies on the other side of that fear will never be yours to have. And you don't know what doors that opens. Like look, whenever I went to Mavericks the first time in two thousand uh, two thousand three Look at look at the the doors that opened for me. Ah. I had the balls to go to Mavericks and catch waves, and it literally blew open doors for me. Yeah. I've surfed all over the world. I've had sponsorship deals. I've been the face of brands. I've done advertising campaigns, TV. It's been incredible. Literally yeah. from opening that door of stepping across my fear. That's so. It's very, that's, it's very powerful. Yeah, it is. So moving on to your your trip to Nazare with with Garrett McNamara it was a, a crazy tale that you tell about about actually catching the waves over there and riding Nazare but what impressed me even more was the kind of earthquake feeling that you felt in your hotel room um, yeah. before um, before you actually went out so could you explain that to the listeners yeah so um, basically I'd been going to Nazare at that point for I think a couple of seasons maybe at this point it was we, basically there was three or four of us were there in the early days. Garrett brought down three or four of us there, and we were, were like the pioneers of of the spot, as in the outsiders that came in. We were the, we were the pioneering outsiders. There were obviously locals there before us, uh-huh. and there were bodyboarders and there were surfers and all from the area. But I think the first outsiders to come in were us. Wow. And so up until this point, Garrett had been, you know, there's no doubt about it. There's hundred foot waves there. There are. <laughs> And I think a lot of these waves that are measured nowadays, and people see them, um, they're probably 100 foot, but they're being measured slightly less. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we had gone down. Uh, Garrett phoned me and said, look, I think it's going to be 100 foot. The swell coming, I think it's going to be 100 foot. I think this is the day. So I went down there. And the night before, in the darkness of the room, with the door shut and sleeping in my bed, every now and again there was a rattle and you could literally it was the it was the waves breaking on the shore rake and i was about a mile away in the hotel room um the the, the sound of the, or the the energy of the wave breaking on the shoreline was make, was obviously making a tremble and it was making the bedside table rattle and the, and the door rattle <laughs> and i literally couldn't believe it i was lying there with my eyes open going am i is this real am i literally hearing this and <laughs> and it was that, that's exactly what it was and then when the morning came round. Uh, like it was it was gigantic there were gigantic waves um but obviously at Nazare the thing about Nazare is there's so many different elements I'm not going into the details but there's so many elements which which make these big waves happen mm. and being in the right place at the right time is crucial and Garrett was in the right place at the right time it was his time to be there it was his time to go and these three big things came up out of the the canyon and he went and it was it was just jaw-dropping it was incredible <laughs> and it, the fact that these waves have been breaking there for i don't know how, how many years unridden at that size it was just incredible and nowadays as you can see if, if you know about surfing as you can see it it, it happens regularly there these yeah. big waves happen regularly you know it's it's an incredible incredible place yeah yeah absolutely and um when you prepare for something like nazare what's the what kind of um physical training do you have to do to actually get ready for something like that um so i train all the time anyway right i train physically anyway and i think mentally a lot of the training comes from years in the water it's all water time Mm. when you go to nazare 
you think you're a big wave surfer until you go to Nazare, let me tell you. Right. I, I'm telling you, seriously, when you go to Nazare and you think you're big, this big wave guy, you're not a big wave guy until you surfed at Nazare at size. It is a different league. And you can be physically fit, physically prepared, and you're not prepared enough. Yeah. Um, it's it's literally, it takes superhuman ability out there. And it's all in the mind. It is, and it, not a word of a lie, it's terrifying. When you're on the ski and you go around that headland, everyone sees the big lighthouse in the headland and these big waves break in. Um, but when you're on the ski down there and you go past that big rock that's like 40 feet high and the waves are going over it, that's not even a big swell. It's I'm telling you, it's terrifying. And the waves are going towards the bottom of the cliff. There's explosions and white water everywhere. And they're coming at you from every angle. Like we live here in Ireland and there's we've got beautiful reef breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got like very, very mechanical reef breaks. So what, what I mean by mechanical is they break relatively in the same place every time. Every wave is more or less the same shape. That's We have a lot of that in Ireland. We're famous for it. Right. Nazare gigantic biggest waves in the world coming at you from every angle and it doesn't you don't really get that from the photos or the video mm-hmm. but when you're out there you feel like you're being hunted wow. you do you literally feel like you're being hunted they're coming at you from every angle and everyone ever it's so funny because when whenever Nazare was first going out in the media a lot of the surfing world dissed it and they said oh it's really fat it's not that no. powerful and not that steep well I'm telling you like that's that that opinion is changing because there's nothing more powerful than that. There's and yeah. um, there's nothing more deadly than yeah. that wave. It is it is something else. And as soon as you you go on a wave out there, you have you've let yourself cross that line. And again, it's fear. Cross that line, and you're going on a gigantic thing. And you just don't know what's going to happen. You can even see it when guys let go of the rope out there, or they paddle in the big wave. The wave is always changing, contorting, and moving. Mm-hmm. And everyone's everyone's making fine adjustments to the you know the whole ride, and then incoming behind them and to the side of them there's more waves coming and it's it's a serious serious place wow i'm sorry i'm, I'm sort of my drawers dropped uh well as you've been as i've been listening to you it's just so kind of riveting and in the book you explain that most of the times when you when you've got a big wave session coming up you can't get much sleep at night so you must be already kind of fatigued mm-hmm. from not sleeping i mean what kind of a mental state are you when you're at the top of the crest of that kind of a wave it's funny yeah because you're like in the lead up to these things, I'm actually getting my my energy is being depleted, my mindset's being depleted in the in the days building up to this mm-hmm. quite often. Um, just with the you know I'm anxious about what's going to happen, what could happen, and all the, all the unknown possibilities are making me worry and doubt myself. And then when it comes to the moment, it's very very interesting because even even maybe 15 seconds out from catching the wave, mm-hmm. you're still you're still in a state of on the verge of panic and then all of a sudden there's this I can only describe it as deathly calm and it comes over you and or it comes over me and it's like absolute focus and you, you your hearing disappears really? and there's this almost tunnel like vision tunnel vision like thing comes over and I, I, I've never been to war I don't know but I, I assume whenever you go into something like that there might be a similar yeah, almost thing comes over you. A, a sort of meditative state where you're yeah. so focused that um, so it... focused, and it's pure acceptance of the situation as well. I find, and you're just going, and you want it so much, and the, you know, like I get quite aggressive. I want it so badly, and then the other side of that is whenever you fall or you're caught inside. If you get caught inside by one of these big waves at Nazare or any of these places in the world, um, 
and you have nowhere to run and this thing's this thing's bearing down on you and it's almost it's almost indescribable because you're like you're a complete sitting duck and you, again that deathly calm comes over you and it's acceptance of the situation and you just kind of go with it and you get absolutely hammered and people always say to me how long can you hold your breath for and I'm like as long as I have to yes. <laughs> literally like you just you're not going to give in do you know what I mean yeah yeah. Yeah, I might be scared, but you can't give in. But that's so much willpower to be able to sort of manage that because um, I, I saw on your on your Channel Four series, um, Man vs uh, V Wave, um, uh-huh. you, you you were running up a sand dune, holding your breath and everything, so yeah. see how 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 long you could um, you could hold your breath for with your trainer. And um, I tried to do this this morning because there's a sand dune near where I live, and I just sort of lost about five steps or something like that. And I was just thinking, God, the the, the amount of training you must have and the time that you must spend actually sort of preparing for these sorts of events is just incredible yeah it's incredible as well because people only see the image yes they only see the image and they only see the video and they just they'll first of all say mm, could have been deeper mm, it's a bit fat yes. mm, it's not that big yeah, yeah. well the, these guys you're looking at you know Sebastian Stoidner and all those guys like they're putting serious time into this yeah you know and there's a lot of preparation people's lives are built around this Exactly. Like, literally, my life is built around being able to surf, yeah. and and that's what that's, you know people's lives are literally sculpted around being able to do this and be able to go at last minute, chase these big swells, and have disappointments and have successes, and you know it's a it's a it's a serious thing for someone just to see somebody on the edge of a wave and go, mm, it's not that big. Yeah, <laughs> you haven't been out there. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So so it also goes uh, via amazing nutrition do you have any tips um because obviously to keep that energy going for that long when you pedal out and you're you're in the middle of a massive storm and and whatever and you've got wind and you've got currents to fight and then you've got to sort of stay put in the right position on on the wave um what do you have to eat in the morning or the days before or to build up to be that fit and that um that ready for the moment uh, i think in general you've got to eat well anyway right and I'm not into fads. I'm not into doing specific diets. I eat well. I eat whole foods, um, you know, primarily whole foods. And, yeah, I do eat a bit of crap as well. Um, you know, that's what that's life. You know what I mean? That's real life. Um, on the on the actual day, I don't really eat very much. Right. Um, I like to be kind of feeling light and, you know, I don't want a big meal in me or anything. So I don't really do that. Mm-hmm. Um and like all these energy drinks, don't have to name names. No one drinks those. No, um, no. There's like you just don't want that in your body mm. or your mind. Um, none of that happens. So I just I literally have you know my porridge in the morning and coffee, and that's about it. And yeah. I don't really don't really do too much other than that. I just try and keep myself focused on the job and mind and enjoy myself. You know, that, that's really interesting. That's amazing. And um. You've got to, obviously you've got to, when you do these these big waves, big wave surf um, surfs. You've got a massive team with you, a really really highly trained team with you. Um, how many people are with you when you go on a on a big day? Oh, it's really difficult. Sometimes there's four or five of us, and sometimes it's just me. And really? it's great sometimes when there's four or five of us, but it's sometimes far far more fun when I'm on my own <laughs> just not because of the people but because of the see as soon as you involve 
how you need four or five people and you need jet skis and you need trailers and boats. Mm. It becomes such an organizational nightmare. Um, it really does. And it takes away from it quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 I like going out on big days on, on my gun or with maybe my mate Hannah and I go out a lot together just paddling on big days. Um, so that's my favorite. Right. Going out with you know my mate and paddling in the big waves and sometimes towing. Um, but yeah, quite often we have a team of four of us, and we and one one of the guys is actually a paramedic. Um, so he's a paramedic, Tim. And yeah. there's been over the years we've always had medical gear and everything with us, but Tim's an actual paramedic, so immediately that makes us feel a bit more comfortable because we're in the middle of nowhere a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> and then I've got Hanno. Hanno's a German guy, mm-hmm. and he lives here. He's married married a local girl and um he's just like a fish he's like this free diver really? and he's like airy fairy and you know he's a bit floaty whereas i'm the i'm the, the you know, i'm the one that goes straight and the, i want to do this and you know so there's a bit of mix of personalities in there um and there's a couple of other guys as well um our photographer me and photographer charles mm-hmm. comes with us he shoots for getty um but he's a uh, again he can't even swim really so yeah, he can't swim, so he can float in the boat with us. And then we're like, oh my God, then happens here. We've got to rescue Charles <laughs> immediately. But, you know, in fairness to him, like, he's, like, if he's scared, he is doing things. He's overcoming serious fear. Um, going out to sea in these gigantic waves, huge storms, and he's sitting in the boat and he's getting the shot and it's going out. He's doing his job. Do you know what I mean? That's if nice. there's anyone overcoming fear, it's probably him. You know? <laughs> and um, yeah, because uh, th- there must be one point where, beyond fearing for your own life, you're fearing for your team's life as well. So how do you manage that kind of fear? Yeah, the, I think as time's gone on, that's got a bit more um, real, to be honest, because like. Hanno's got four kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lee, my other friend who's involved, has four kids. And to be honest, there's been times I've just gone, I don't think this is safe today. Right. And only because of that, I would hate anything to happen to anybody. And obviously, the decisions the decisions that are made are their own decisions at the end of the day. Of course. Um, but, you know, I'm far more experienced than these guys. So it's, I kind of, you know, I know that whenever I say something it's too dangerous they, they listen to me do you know what I mean yeah yeah uh, and I feel I feel responsible in a way so I, there's there has been days I've said look I just think this is too dangerous today and yeah. that would that's because that's in my head yeah you know yeah. there are other people and you know I've got my you know I've got things in life too as well I've got other responsibilities in life too and I have a fiance and my mum's there and my mm-hmm. beautiful dog <laughs> and you know so it's the same for me too but obviously I do feel responsible for people who are involved with me and things, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a parent, is as well, you know, when my kids learned to surf and they got better and better, and they obviously got better than me. There's there's some kind of fear also that you sort of feel for them, and it's quite difficult to manage as a as a parent. Um, mm-hmm. Just sort of imagining your 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 kids out at sea and not being able to help them or rescue them. It's it's quite it's quite impressive. So, what would be yeah. a kind of way of overcoming that fear? Um, it's funny. It's funny you say that about kids because I see it a different way. Because I lost my dad when I was twenty-two, so whenever I think of Hanno, for example, or Lee and their kids, I think about, oh my God, if they lost, yeah, you know, one of the parents, then I I, I know it's like to not have a father, yeah. and and that's that's why I that's obviously why I think so heavily about that. Um, 
so but again that comes down to you know i spend a lot of times in particular with hanno i surf a lot with hanno hanno's a very good waterman he's very very good in the water he's very very comfortable and confident and spending time with each other in the water obviously makes us both understand each other's abilities and you know how far we can push it together and not together or yeah you know what i mean yeah and, and that's obviously to know yeah, each other to, really well yeah and we're trying to basically control as much as we can again in advance mm-hmm. You know, and understanding what each other's capable of, like, and being stuck at sea. We've been stuck at sea with a broken down boat and having to paddle for miles. And, and Hannah and I have both done it, overcome it. So we, we know together that we'll handle it, you know, or yeah. try to handle it as best we can. So that's, that helps that helps overcome the fear of that and still allows us to go out and surf big wild waves. You know? <laughs> and how do you sort of define when to go out and when not to? Um... To be honest, like I love the stormy seas. Like, I love big stormy days when mainly most surfers won't even look at it. Um, really? I, that's when I love. I love the wildness. I love sitting out there and maybe not even catching that many waves. I, that's what I really love. Um, and like living in the north coast here in Ireland, we have really bad wind, and so we're used to surfing those conditions. That's what I love. Um, though I used to surf, you know, I'm 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 known in surfing for big wave surfing, but I do a lot of other stuff in the water. Yes. And so I'm out on days when it's completely flat and paddling or stand up paddleboarding or I'm rowing mm. um, or I'm surfing in small waves and surfing in in-between waves and surfing in stormy waves. Like there's, I kind of, I'm in the water all the time to some degree, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's not really many days where I would go, I'm not going out today. Um, <laughs> although when it comes to the really big days, that's whenever there's more risk involved and that we define those days basically you know, we weigh up the risk. What's the risk reward here, really? You know, yeah. are we going to go out here and get a wave? Um, are we going to go through all sorts of trouble with skis and boats and whatever else happens along the way? Well, there was an um, amazing story that you tell in the, in the book about um, yeah, when you sort of uh, got to the one end of the bay and then you got pushed to the other end and then um, yeah. and then you had to move the ski from one place to another and it, it broke down and you had to repair it and it was getting dark and it was snowy. You wonder why so, I do this, don't you? <laughs> it's <just> amazing. <laughs> and then but, it's, it's, it makes you wonder though. Like, but that, but that, the thing is, that all that stuff in the snow and in the cold <laughs> and in the horrible, horrible days, that's what makes it possible. Yeah. on the day when it comes around every few years to go on a massive one because you've put the time in together you understand the skis and the trailers and all the things that can go wrong and that's the thing that when it comes down to that split second of turning and paddling into it or letting go of the rope that you have the balls to go because you you know all that preparation all that preparation is done in advance and it gives you that confidence and strength in the moment to go that's literally that's what it takes that's that's you know? that's so wise it, it's uh, yeah it, it's through experience that you can actually sort of control the elements further yeah. on and um do you have any sort of rituals or superstitions i mean that go with this oh don't start me <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i don't know if it's because we're from ireland or what but like there's so many things i shout at people for mentioning bananas <laughs> you, you can't have bananas on boats and for some reason really? hannah always turns up with a banana with a banana <laughs> <laughs> banana um there's all, there's all sorts of things and we've the magpies over here we spit in our fingers three times and say thank you sir thank you sir thank you sir there, there's lo- lots of stuff dropping a knife have to stand on it before you pick it up or you get an unwanted visitor oh literally <laughs> i could go on all day about it but yeah there's a lot of those things I, I also with in relation to surfing in particular i refuse to let anybody pull my zip up 
<laughs> not that I've ever had a bad experience from somebody pulling his up up and then I've gone out and like hurt myself, but I just won't let him do it. <laughs> I think it's bad luck. Um, right. There's there's all sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, all the tales can be found in the book, so definitely recommend the, the listeners to download the book online or to buy the book and, and get it delivered. But um, it's funny in in the book you sort of that there's something that's really interesting as well is the fact that you sort of having an uncommon physique and like being really tall and uh, um and and to be different from people ostr- sometimes ostracizes people but it, has that sort of contributed to your your warrior mindset definitely and this is the thing right so i also teach martial arts i teach martial arts and self defense right and it's very interesting because i teach a lot of young people and when they come in the door you can see that they are Obviously, lots of young people want to be part of the group or part of the gang. Mm-hmm. And I never felt like I was part of any group. I just, I had lots of friends in school and in school, and lots of friends outside of school as well. But I never really fit in anywhere 100%. And I obviously, I look extremely different. I look like I'm from Ireland. If you don't know what I look like, I'm <laughs> tall and big and I've got red hair and massive red beard. Like, I couldn't look more stereotypical. <laughs> um, so standing out is definitely, that. that's what I do look different to most people. Mm-hmm. But you, you either... You either embrace it or it controls you. Yeah. And other people's opinions control you and everything. But, like, you know, I definitely embrace how I am and how I look. And I'm very, I'm confident in who I am and how I look. And it's just, you know, that's the way it is. So when I see kids come in the door, or in, in, like, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I had a kid who's been really badly bullied at school. Really? And he's been really badly school. He's a young kid, an early early teens, and he's been really badly bullied in school because of how he looked in particular. Mm-hmm. And he dresses differently. All the other kids are all ganging up on him and threatening him and all these things. And I just I took him for a couple of hours and taught him some, some like self defense things. And then I I chatted to him and I wrote some stuff down for him. And I basically told him, you know, that the reason these kids are bullying him are because he looks different. Yeah. And he actually thought that he wasn't confident. But he is confident. Absolutely. He's confident to be different. He's yeah. confident to dress differently and to look differently. And it, it's actually the bully which isn't who isn't confident. And it's, his life literally changed overnight. He yeah. saw himself in a completely different light, and he embraces himself now more. Um, and I've got him doing exercises and all these different things to try and overcome that. So obviously that comes from me looking the way I do and feeling I do look slightly different to the ordinary person on the street. And I'm not really. I'm happy to embrace that, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and that's really awesome advice for anybody who sort of is feeling a bit different. Um, you've just got to take that and run with it, basically. You do. You, you've, only, you've only got what you've got. Do you know what I mean? And um, generally, people, people, people who, who bully others for the way they look, I, I personally feel that that's, that's, that's their issue. It's not the person who's been bullied. This issue, you know, they look the way they look and they, you know, they are the way they are. And I think it's important to embrace that. It, it literally, you know, like, I, I don't mean to sound silly here, but the way I, the way I look has got me the certain things in life that I would probably never have got to had I not looked this way. Like, I, I, I did some stunt doubling this year. Um, I've been the face of uh, Campaign for House of Fraser this year. Um, I did stuff for Johnson & Johnson in New York this year. So there's lots of things that, if you embrace who you are and how you look, it can definitely help you as a kid. Yeah, 
and it can take you places that you never <clears throat> can, imagined. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, um, talking about being a stuntman, and <laughs> so this guy, uh, <clears throat> obviously, lots of any Game of Thrones fans out there will uh, will recognise the actor who plays Tormund in Game of Thrones. What was it like doing um doing some work on on a on a set? So, uh, I've I've done lots of work on TV before. I've worked on on the <clears throat> on TV sets and stuff before, but I've never done stunt work. Now, very interestingly. Literally every single day of my life, somebody mistakes me for him. And I mean, every single day, some of them will stop me and say it and look for an autograph. Some will look for a picture. Some, some will, I can see them, see them glancing at me and I can see them Googling him on their phone. Um, so literally every single day this happens. So then whenever my agent, Tracy, got a phone call saying, hi, I'm Christopher Hevju's agent. We were very interested in working with Al uh, in an upcoming TV series, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I was like, no way. So I was like, no way. I can't believe this actually happened. But anyway, she, he was working on Game of Thrones here. Lots of Game of Thrones is filmed along the coastline where I live. A local, a local driver, a VIP driver, I know had shown him my picture, and that's how it all came about. But um, whenever I... So I went to Norway this year. Um, Christopher's filmed a new TV series called Twin. And I happened to look identical, so uh, it's worked out well. Um, but in the in the series, he one of the one of the twin brothers is a surfer, and you would have almost thought we we thought oh, they must have written this story once they saw me. <laughs> That's what we thought. We were like, like they must have seen me and then gone right. We're going to write him into the story, but it turned out that wasn't even the case. It just happened to be. Wow. Um, so we went over there and I did all the stunts in the water. So I did the rescues in the water and uh, the surfing and various other things in the water. Um, for him so it was cool it was good like it was, it was so funny whenever we first met because he just he walked up to me and he looked and he went it's the cheekbones it's the cheekbones <laughs> we've got the same cheeks <laughs> oh, that's fantastic yeah. and who's the tallest I'm taller I'm and we were taller <laughs> yeah and we were taller yeah. oh fantastic anyway um no that's really it was such an exciting experience um yeah you know, cool. working on on a, on a on a set and everything and and you also do a lot of motivational speaking how does that work out so i used to do a lot more than i do now i did i used to do schools and clubs like climbing clubs canoeing mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff and it was just to be honest it was just too much i was doing too much at the same time as trying to run the rest of my life so i stopped a lot of it mm-hmm. and i've only really been doing the bigger ones right. but um I like I like I like doing the talks with with kids because I think they're more impressionable, yeah. and I think they really benefit from it. I have also done them like I did a I did a big um, one for Nike. They had their European sales conference in Belfast one year. Wow. I did I spoke at that for about an hour. Um, I've done it, I've done it a lot of business stuff as well, but mainly I like to do the stuff with kids. And nowadays, to be honest, I turn. I turn a lot of them down unless they're really worth my while doing. Yeah. Um, you know, just just because the time it takes to prepare for those sort of things, of um, I find it quite consuming, and I've got a lot of other things in life which I think my time's better spent on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, 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 what are the other things in life that you're you're spending your time on at the moment? So, um, I've already mentioned the martial arts thing. I do that. I've mm-hmm. got a third degree black belt in that. So, I've done. Um, I teach that. I, I instruct that. I that led to some bodyguard work as well. Really. Um, yeah. And then I've got my books, obviously. And then other thing I do is property development, and that came around because my dad died when I, I was twenty two. 
in 2003, he was a property developer, a builder. He, he, he would refer to himself as a builder. Nowadays, people would probably refer to him as a property developer. Right. Um, so he was a builder. Um, he bought sites and he built houses and sold houses. Mm-hmm. He died and the business was, it needed, it needed somebody to run it. So I basically jumped in there head first. Mm-hmm. And over the space of about four or five years, I built 25 houses. Mm-hmm. I built roads, uh, all sorts of stuff. And it, it, I, did, I honestly, I look back at it now and I'm like, where on earth did I go in my head to do that? <laughs> and where did you at find energy and do all this big wave surfing? I know, <laughs> literally that all happened at the same time as my big wave surf stuff started to take off. So I was traveling around the world doing all sorts of things at the same time as running building sites on my phone or in person on the site. And I was a 22 year old guy Dealing with guys who were 50 and 50 plus on site who were probably looking at me going, what do you know? And I didn't know anything, but I had to <laughs> do it. And I, I learned a lot. I learned very, very quickly. And I think it made me very, very confident because I dealt with so much, um, you know, at the time um, doing all that. And then so that then I've, I've kept that on. I, I, I did all that. I, you know, sold all the houses off, got rid of it all and. Then in the last few years, I've done a bit more. I've done some refurbs. I'm wow. currently doing four apartments at the minute on the north coast here. Fantastic. Um, so there's I, there's a lot of I do a lot of different things so that I have the flexibility and the time to be able to go surfing. That is exact. You nailed it. You nailed it. This is the this is the objective of this whole podcast. Is <laughs> how do you what kind of a job do you have to do to fit in um, <laughs> to fit in surfing as much as possible? So that's it. Yeah, brilliant. That's it. Property you, you need to be. And yeah. honestly, I think the key here is, and I say this to everybody, everybody who asks me for advice or anybody that you know, seems a bit you know, lost in life, the one thing I always say is flex all your skills. Yes. Because if you, don't, if you leave anything un, undeveloped, if you don't develop every one of your skills throughout your entire life, then you run the risk of being vulnerable at some point. So Absolutely. for me, like, I could just say, oh, I'm a property developer. Well, I'm not just a property developer. I write books, I teach martial arts, I do, I've got various things in my surfing and there's a, there's a few other things as well. So, but in, in various years, some things take a downturn. Mm, yeah. So you need to have other things in life, other yeah. strings to your bow to be able to make sure that you have the flexibility and the time and the money to survive those downturns to still be able to go surfing every day. Yes. That's the key. It's about lifestyle. I learned that in the last few years. This isn't about other journalists phone me and they say, "What? Well, so what are you going to do? Ride the biggest wave now? You're going to what are you going to do now? You're going to now you're going to ride a big wave. You're going to do a big challenge." And I'm I think the be- the most important thing for anyone to do in life is to focus on their lifestyle. Yes. And if that involves me riding the biggest wave in the world, if that involves me writing ten books, if that involves me building ten houses, if that involves me teaching kids how to um, you know defend themselves in the street, whatever it takes, I will do because yeah. I value my time. And my time to be able to spend spend time with my family, spend time in the water, um, and have the flexibility to do that. And that only comes from flexing all your skills. Absolutely, this is so this is so important, guys. Um, yeah, flex your skills. I think I think I think another thing about it as well. If you if you like if you if you don't flex all your skills, you're leaving yourself vulnerable to who knows what. Mm. Who knows what's coming? That that's so important to really develop yourself and we've all now got smartphones we've got information at our fingertips to learn and educate ourselves on everything that we're interested in and every skill we have and develop it it's so it's so so important yeah yeah that is that that is 
Awesome. Awesome advice. Thank you so much <laughs> for this. It's really, really good. I guess we're, we're getting to the end of the interview. Thank you ever so much for all these amazing stories and um, definitely sort of advise the listeners to go and check you out on, on the internet. Before we, before we part, I've got a, this is a sort of ritual in my, in my podcast that I ask my, um, my guests to fill in the blanks. So uh, the first one is I love my fiance Sarah. Oh, that's a lovely answer. She'll be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I miss my dad. No, oh, that's lovely as well. I wish my dad was here. Nice one. And I want. I want a. Uh, I want. An opportunity-filled life for myself and my fiance Sarah and our dog. Oh, that's lovely. That's lovely words. So I guess we made it. Um, how do you feel? Good, yeah. Good. Yeah. Hopefully, I hope. I honestly, I honestly hope that somebody listening to this can take something from this, and you know, hopefully, something I've in my experiences of use to them. I really do. Um, yeah. Because I think that's what life's about. I always say, never take any advice from anybody, <laughs> um, but an expert. But and saying that you still pick up bits and pieces from everybody you meet in life. I think you, it, the best thing to do is learn from everybody exactly. what to do and what not to do. Um, <laughs> so hopefully what I've said today is of use to somebody out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are your plans for the next few months? I literally last night finished another book. <gasps> um, so I wrote another book, only this time it's a children's book. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so the next month for that will be I'm going to have an illustrator do some illustration in it. And then hope to, hopefully I'll be releasing that at the end of March. At the end of March, then I've got the TV series Twin that I did the stunt double for Christopher. It's out as well. I've got uh, a TV series out on BBC as well in April. And right. it's called Tide. It's out then as well. And by the end of March, I'll have finished these four apartments. So <laughs> loads, it. literally the next two months, loads of stuff going on. <laughs> So, and are there any more uncharted waves that you fancy exploring in the world? Uh, I love spending my time in Ireland. I think I, I've, I about ten years ago I said to myself, right, I want to focus more on Ireland because I think there's so many waves here. The cold is an advantage because it keeps people away. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do. I do still love going to other places, and I will do that. But the waves here off our coastline that we have some of them some of them you'll see breaking every day of the year but they're unrideable it's those ones that i love and at some point in time i'll go out and ride it and it'll be good so it's a, that's what i like about our coastline there's a lot of different waves there's a lot of waves that don't really break very often and aren't rideable very often and it's that i think that's something that keeps me hooked on this country i love this country for that so yeah they'll definitely spend time doing that that's, that's fantastic and um so if we want to recap how to get hold of you any social media accounts where to find you where to find your book do you think you could okay. give us a recap yeah i'm not very good at social media i don't really like it but <laughs> i do i do and i don't but yeah i mainly only use instagram i have facebook and i have twitter but i mainly only use instagram mm -hmm. and it's just al underscore many if you want anything to do with me i books or prints or anything it's my website almany.com that's a l m e n n i e dot com and that's where you can get my book i don't sell it anywhere else now i keep everything's there and right. um, there's lots of stories on there there's videos there's all sorts of things on there 
Uh, or if you need to contact me, you can get me through that as well. That's brilliant. Well, thank you, Al. Thank you for being thank such you. an awesome guest. It's thank real... you very much for having me. I think your podcast's brilliant and you've got <laughs> lots of great guests. And I honestly think if anyone out there wants to know more about um, surfing and fitting it into your life, you should listen to the podcast because it's full of people who are real, who are actually real. They're, it's real life for them. They've got real jobs, real careers, and they're surfing. They're not, they're not pretending to be a professional surfer or whatever it is. They're doing everything they can in their life to, to surf in the, in the entire mix. It's a very good podcast. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thank you, Al. And um, it's no been a pleasure meeting you. And um, wish you all the best, luck, best of luck for the new book and all the thank new projects coming up. That's brilliant. Take thank care, you. Al. Thanks thank for you, coming. Thank Bye-bye. you, Imogen. Bye-bye. 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 Wow, that was a truly wonderful conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. To get in touch with Al Many, you can follow him on Instagram at Al underscore Many, M-E-N-N-I-E, or connect to his website on almeny.me.me. The website is really well done. You can order his latest book, you can see all his work, and even book a private self-defence class with him. The Ocean Riders podcast is a weekly podcast and I'd be so thrilled if you could give me a few stars and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to share your story, you can connect with me at hello at theoceanriderspodcast.com or via my Instagram account at theoceanriderspodcast. This episode is available and it can be played and replayed on most of the podcast apps such as Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Deezer and of course Apple Podcasts. You can also stream it on your computer by connecting to theoceanriderspodcast.com. Please use my link tree to connect to all my social platforms. Uh, the website address is www.linklinktr.ee slash theoceanriderspodcast. Um, you'll find links to my The Ocean Riders community which is a Facebook group and The Ocean Riders Podcast Facebook page and my Twitter account, plus all the other ways of connecting with me. All the links of this episode are available in the show notes that are in your podcasting app, and you'll also be able to find an article I've written about my episode with Al on medium.com at the Ocean Riders podcast. You'll find amazing photos of Al and his incredible accomplishments. Thank you, Al, for being such an astonishing guest. I, I wish you all the best for your next achievements and stay safe thank you for listening until next week take care have fun and enjoy the waves ciao